This is the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast, episode number five. Home improvements, home renovations, home maintenance, home repairs, and all the other challenges of home ownership. Welcome to the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. Well, hello everyone and salutations from the money pit. My name is Doug and today's episode of the Thumb and Hammer Podcast is something a little different. This is my first interview. My guest today is John from azdiyguy.com. John's blog is one of my personal favorites, and I'm sure that once you check it out, it will become one of your favorites as well. Anyway, we talk about how a graphic designer from Michigan ended up in the construction industry in Arizona, and we talk about his experience as a do-it-yourselfer and how and why he began blogging about his projects. And of course, we also talk about the weather. That was unavoidable. After all, it is Arizona. It's hot out there. I would like to point out here that I am not a very good interviewer, and this was not our first attempt at a conversation. Several months ago, we sat down for a chat, and I was so woefully unprepared and nervous that everything fell apart after just a couple of minutes. It was a massive failure, and I've always felt horrible for wasting John's time. So needless to say, I am very grateful to John for the second opportunity. And I think it's a good talk. Not only do you get to meet the guy behind the blog, but... There are also a lot of valuable nuggets and takeaways that can really benefit all of us. The interview did go a little long. I am still not a very good interviewer. And we actually talked for close to two hours. So obviously, the conversation's been edited. I just hope I did a decent job at the editing that everything makes sense. You can find the show notes page for this episode at thumbandhammer.com slash and without further delay, here's our conversation. Good morning, John. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, good morning, Doug. Thanks for having me. Your website is azdiyguy, az as in Arizona DIY guy. <laughs> right, right. I think when I was first starting out, I I actually wasn't intending to write a blog. I was just doing a like a Facebook page where I could tell my stories to, you know, friends and family across the country. And uh, I think DIY guy was taken. So I just threw the AZ in there, not really thinking it forward too much. Uh, now that it's launched into a blog, it, it I'm kind of locked into it. It's kind of become my persona. Uh, and, and honestly, uh, the stories I run into and the things that I'm uh, experiencing all have to do with being in Arizona. I'm so so on a different time zone than than most of the other people in the country. They're shoveling snow and I'm still out wearing shorts. So it, it's kind of part of the dialogue and the storytelling that that I am uh, in a different client, uh, climate and um, ex- experiencing things totally different than other people sometimes, even though I'm doing the same kind of projects, changing their house, repairing things uh, that, that my readers might be uh, involved in. So I kind of got stuck with it, but now I enjoy it. You know, I, I uh, thought about changing it to 
A to Z DIY guy, but I'm not really liking that too much. So I'm sticking with AZ DIY guy. Now, you're not originally from Arizona. No, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm originally from Michigan, actually. I grew up there and got into my early adult life there before I moved out here to Arizona. I was 28 when I first came out. I, I had just gotten married and we moved out here just to follow a job at the time. And uh, we bought our first house in here in Arizona. Um, that was kind of my real intro to home improvement and repair, buying an old 1965 block home in Tempe, Arizona, and kind of working my way up through a little light remodeling. So we were actually only in that house for a couple of years, but I got a lot of, a lot of different experience there. A lot of, a lot of uh, startup basic projects. And it kind of got my interest going in, in doing home improvement projects. So what was that like when you first bought the house? Was it one of those houses that you knew was going to require some work or did you move in expecting not to do anything? Well, of course, when we moved in, there were, there were little things, you know, paint and minor repairs. But that first house, I didn't even know what I was doing, you know. I mean, that was before I even knew I had that interest. So when you buy your first house, you don't have a lot of expectations, at least I didn't, of, of repairing it constantly or upgrading it. But it, it actually started out, oddly enough, that we bought our new refrigerator and got the thing home into the little bitty kitchen and it wouldn't fit. So it was return the refrigerator or figure out how to make it fit. So we bought a uh, a jigsaw, a little black and decker jigsaw and cut about an inch and a half of, of uh, overhang off the countertop, rough and terrible looking cut, crooked, um, trimmed a little edge off of a cabinet with a uh, with a little straighter line that time around and got the refrigerator in so that was that little jigsaw was actually the first tool i bought the first experience i had with actual renovating my own home and uh started from there i kind of launched it so what other sort of projects did you do in that house well it, we uh boy we remodeled a couple bathrooms over time um we we actually ended up freshening up that kitchen quite a bit. I tore out some uh, cabinetry, cleaned up the uh, a countertop island, replaced all the countertops, painted all the cabinets. Um, we we actually got that kitchen done right as we sold the house. So it's kind of bittersweet to to finish the first kind of quasi remodel uh, just in time to leave it behind, but. Uh, you know, the, it was it was where it all started. It was it was great. Uh, the, it kind of gave me a little confidence that I could do things. By the time we left there, I had a a good chunk of chunk of hand tools and little power tools and starter stuff to give me enough confidence to try the next thing and and, and continue to learn and and grow. That was at the time too. This would have been around two thousand or so, where you know these handyman shows on TV and DIY and HDTV and stuff were really kind of getting popular. So you had that ability to get immersed in, in the, the DIY movement. You know, there were, there were home depots and Lowe's and 
things like that really starting to get more popular, more available to us. And, and, uh, so it was really good. It was really good. We, we wrapped that house up and moved on to the next. And where was the next? Texas, East Texas. We, uh, I transferred for that same job again and ended up building a, a new house in East Texas, small town, um, where our buying power was a lot stronger. So I sold that 1965 house in Arizona and had a 2000 brand new, large cul-de-sac lot brick house built. Uh, so it was a different, totally different experience to have a brand new house to tinker with. You don't inherit problems or anything, but you inherited just basic empty shell pretty much when you get a new house built. So you had that house built? Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't anything used when we moved there that, that we, that we liked. And, um, it's funny you use the word used house. It's kind of like kind of different, right? I mean, that's not like a car. Most people buy houses that have been pre-owned, but, uh, having that, having that new house experience was, was, uh, was different, right? We had to have something built. We had the money for it at the time. We were doing well at the time and, uh, enjoyed having the, going through that process, picking out cabinets and knobs and fixtures out of a catalog and and having it having it built for us you know pick the pick the uh, floor floor plan that we decided on out of a catalog and go look at a model of it and stuff it was a neat experience i probably wouldn't do that again but it, it was a cool experience if money were no object i'd get a new house built but i'd want to have a little more design input rather than just the 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 catalog style approach right it's just uh it's incomplete and you don't get the level of choice that you would want in all those decisions without the a la carte upgrade fee, right? It's like, that's how they make their money. I think is through those upgrades. Everything's an upgrade. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They, they nickel and dime you, you know, one car garage, you know, it's a 10 by 20 garage, but if you want it a little bit wider, it's so much, you know, a couple thousand bucks for each foot you want to widen it. So if you want a two car garage now, you you can do the math on that, you know, another 10, 10 feet, <laughs> exactly. you know, 2,000 bucks a exactly. foot. You want an exterior door on that garage? Do you want uh, That's you know, whatever? <laughs> do you want to put concrete down for the floor of that garage? That's a little extra. So after that house in Texas, um, you obviously ended up back in Arizona. Yeah, we did. That was, you know, we were, we were in Texas when, when the nine 11 thing happened, uh, there was an, economic hit at the course at that time, the job kind of started to sour and, and we really didn't like living in small town, Texas. It didn't really fit our, our, our family desires at the time. And, uh, we wanted to get out. So we, we, we were able to sell the house, get out of that nicely and, and rented a little place for a while and, uh, looked at where we were going to go. And at the time with family back in Michigan, kind of in the greater, Detroit suburban area or somewhere else. And uh, the economy was already pretty bad there in Michigan. It, it was before this most recent recession and uh, Arizona was booming. So at the time I had left my job and become an electrician, an apprentice electrician in my early thirties, probably right about 30 years old and uh, trying to find a job that would transfer I couldn't find a decent job in East Texas at the time and 
became a, became this electrician. I figured I could transfer it anywhere. I looked at Arizona. We loved Arizona after living there for a few years and decided to come back. And I flew out there, out here, and I found a rental house. I picked up a cell phone and I got a job in one day, just showed up and got a job as an electrician. So it did pay off. And I was only a, a third year apprentice at the time, but I made a I made a decent wage and moved everybody over. So we uh within that first year we bought the house we're currently in right now. And and that would be a little bit uh newer than our original house, but uh it was a it's a nineteen seventy nine just basic tracked home. Uh and it did need a fair amount of work. They painted it and dressed a couple things up, but it was fairly clear it needed a bit of work. But at the time, it was pre-recession, prices were shooting up through the roof. And we we were looking at it as getting on board before the elevator passed our floor. You know, the, the affordability uh, of, a, of a single family home was was just accelerating away from us. And uh, so we, we hopped in and paid a little more than we should have in hindsight, of course, and, uh, and got ourselves a fixer upper, but we bought it for location. We bought it for school district. We bought it for central location, not knowing exactly where my wife would find a job in the Valley here. And, uh, you know, the, the type of community we wanted to live in. So we're kind of in a Southern Phoenix community that's, that's cut off from the greater part of Phoenix, fantastic schools, real close to a highway and uh, well, close enough anyway. We can't hear it, but close enough I could get to work easy. Uh, so that's what we did. We're, we're back here, and that's where we stay. We really enjoy it. So you knew going in that that house was going to need some more work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We knew it. Um, you know, this this one here compared to our first. Our first was a black home, right? It it was just kind of a, not a cinder block style like you would see in the Midwest. I think they call it slump block here or something like that which is a little more hardy for the elements. Our current house is, is wood-sided, which wood and paint really dry out here in Arizona. Uh, it wasn't until my understanding the mid-80s or so where everything started to go to the more stucco look, stucco with the um, ceramic tile roofing. Ours is an old-school wood-sided uh, uh what do you call it? Asphalt shingle roof. Um, so, it, so it wears a little more. And so the outside takes a beating. Uh, and the inside wasn't really well taken care of either. It was fairly pretty, nice flooring. There was a decent pool at the time, or at least it looked decent. You know, it, it showed well enough. And an older style kitchen, we knew that that would have to eventually be redone. Uh, we would have to paint throughout. There was a lot of wallpaper here and there little damage to the trim, things like that. And, and we knew there were things we were going to want to do. And by then I already had the bug, right? So I, I kind of wanted a house I could fix up a little bit. I think my wife would disagree, but uh, it was it, it was something that I was, what I was interested in. And we just loved the location. So that really made the choice for us. Yeah, that bug can be dangerous. <laughs> it can. You, it can. You know, when we were moving from our first house to our second house, I was... Um... I, I was looking at a house that didn't need any work. I'd already done the DIY thing, so I just wanted to move into a place where there was nothing to do. Everything was already right. done. <laughs> and we we moved into a house. It was all, you know, the previous owner did all these renovations. And on the surface, everything looked good. 
Yeah. It checked off all the boxes of what we were looking for. It had a large family room. It had a fireplace. It had a, it had two bathrooms. One of them had a big jacuzzi tub and, you know, all this stuff sounded great and it looked good on paper until we started digging. Right. And this turned out to be a lot more work than I could ever handle on my own. Right. right. But, you know, even looking at it in the first place, you know, you can see small things. It's like, oh, I can do that. You know, I can take care of that. That's not a problem. There's a weekend project. It's all easy. Exactly. Exactly. Until you start digging around. Exactly. <laughs> and then it just gets away from you. It does. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about. We, uh, these little things, let's fix this, let's fix that. Then you find yourself working on those little things and then something breaks. And then, you know, just basic home ownership. But once you go down this path of uh, DIY, handyman, whatever you want to call it, you don't want to call somebody every time something breaks. It just goes on the list, right? You know, your, uh, your backlog starts getting away from you. So for every major project I do, there's a dozen that I didn't get done yet because they're, you know, I, I could have been working on a little repair job when I was reflooring or something like that, right? Now, let's back up for a second. You were saying that you, um, you did your apprenticeship when you were 30 years old for uh, electrical. So that's not something you're originally going into. No, no. Um, Back when you were in school, what was what was your ambition? Where did you think you were going to uh, to end up as far as employment goes and as far as the type of thing you were going to be doing on the weekends? Well, I, I don't know what, what I was thinking about weekends or anything. It, 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 it probably wasn't fixing up houses. I actually went to school for graphic design. Uh, I was in the I was in the Detroit market. Uh, Detroit is one of, I don't know if it still is, but it was one of the top four advertising markets. I have a background and interest in art. And so that's what I went to school for. I went to to college to to learn to be a graphic designer, to, to be in the advertising uh, industry. And it was, you know, it, 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 the, the education was, was, was great. I still use it today, even my current job or on the website or whatever. Uh, but it was, it wasn't quite right. It was, it was really not tied to the computers as much as it should have been at the time. Uh, everything was already done on computers when I was in college, but I was learning the old pencil and marker and paint style things. So I, I did enjoy it. A lot of people did get jobs from, from, from that period of time. My little brother's a graphic designer now. He's, he's younger than I am. And he, he did go through the same thing. And, and that's what his job is. But I never did it. Uh, I, was, I was making a little too much to take the cut to go down to entry level in that. Back, in the, back at that time, I was working in, in sort of a construction capacity. I was in, I was in an office doing inside sales at the time. And doing okay-ish, and um, I, I just kind of let it pass by. So uh, I've kind of stayed tied in a weird way to the construction industry my entire career. I never really thought that would happen, um, but my my field experience as a construction worker wasn't all that long. I was I was an electrician for probably about five years. Um, I went through the apprenticeship, got into being a foreman and management and things like that before I moved into an office role again. But I never would have seen that coming. I never would have thought I'd be a, a DIY enthusiast and tool guy at this point in my life. I never thought I'd be working in the construction industry, but I do enjoy it. Um, but, and I, and I honestly, I, I don't miss, uh, 
I don't miss the graphic design stuff. The, the schooling kind of burned it out of me. A um, lot, a lot, a lot of work um, that kind of took the enjoyment of creating art away from me. You know, so so I, I don't. I'm not looking back at it as something I miss on. Um, I do. I do a fair amount just for the website. I do it at my current job a little bit here and there. I do their Facebook and their website stuff a little because I have that enjoyment and that aptitude, but not a lot. It's not my not my main thing. So the job that you were following around, you you said that you were following a job from Michigan to Arizona, and then you followed that job into Texas, and then you went ended up going back to Arizona. That what was that job that you were following? Well, originally that was that was roofing. It was a, it was a a roofing manufacturing company that I started out in a sales office, and then I moved to the corporate, and then the corporate moved. So I never actually did roofing work. There were times I did a little tech support here and there over the phone, but I never actually did it. So I was kind of reading in manuals and things like that, technical data sheets and whatnot. But I was it was more of a sales support job and later a management level job that I was doing. So it wasn't necessarily a part of the industry that I was attracted to. It was just sort of a job that I, I fell into and just stuck with for a while for about uh, eight years or so um, before I decided to, to to leave Texas, really, um, and not all of Texas, just that part of Texas I was in just didn't fit for us. And I couldn't find anything else at the time that was similar to my experience. I looked at logistics and shipping and things like that because I'd done a fair amount of that. But I just made the big change, just stepped completely away from that. And, and oddly enough, ended up back in a semi-construction related trade. Well, definitely construction related trade. I, I went from being in an office, air conditioned office, stepping out into summertime heat and the humidity of Texas, and then later the the obvious heat of Arizona. So it was kind of a rude awakening. I, I For the first few months, I, I really wasn't sure I'd made the right choice. Um, going and working 40 plus hours outdoors in the heat, with a sometimes completely different type of people that I'd experienced in my work life, you know, being construction workers. And, uh, you know, I really got to know and like a lot of them. You know, I've had some, some great times with, with construction workers over the years uh, when I was, when I became one of them and, and I, I still retain that today. So it was just, just a weird transition that, that, that I went through. So the whole graphic design thing that just fell off the radar it did. It did. Well, so so much time had passed too. You know, I'm I'm not current on on the high end software anymore. I uh, I my portfolio was so old, I couldn't even lay hands on it to be honest with you. Other than other than my current stuff, just just the things that I fiddle around with on my own website or my or my work website. It's just just something that kind of passed away. You know, they say most people don't work in the field that they studied for. Either they they find something else they enjoy or life takes them on a different path. And that's kind of what happened to me. My, my life took me on a different path and that part's a little bit in the past, you know? So, but, but, but I still take it with me. It's part of my, part of my building blocks. It allows me to um, create uh, and work on images or design layout that, uh, that I enjoy. And it helps me do that on my website without paying somebody to do it. So let's talk about your website a little bit. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll let it's your website. I'll let you uh, tell the listeners exactly what it's about. Well, it's it's a blog 
um, it, it started actually, like I mentioned, with a with a Facebook site. It actually started with my own personal Facebook page when I was remodeling our family room here, and I just started putting up a daily picture blast with descriptions that slowly became more and more involved and a little more humorous and 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 light and i was just posting it for my family and uh i've worked it every single day through that process i took a week off of work or maybe more and just worked my way through and i really kind of enjoyed it i'd been following other people who had facebook pages not individual pages but you know the 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 bloggers and those kind of things a little bit and i'd been following that i kind of started mirroring that a little bit and uh it just kind of segued from there i i i ended up recreating that whole thing and launching az diy guy as a facebook site and for six months or so that's what i did and then facebook started messing around with advertising a little more and how many people they'd let see pages and stuff and so I really wasn't getting any readership. I wasn't doing it for any other reason than enjoyment, but it was it was kind of pointless. And I, I started looking into the blogging thing and it opened a whole new area. Uh, it, it really did. I wasn't reading blogs before that. So I read blogs for a while and I really came to enjoy it and get to know other bloggers and their personalities and, and see the way they were able to interact with the people that read them or each other. And so I launched the I launched the blog itself, and that that really took over. So that was December of 2012, and uh, I've had uh, spurts of lots of activity, and then I've backed off a little bit, where I'm posting every once a once a week or so sometimes. So I've really enjoyed it. I, I know most most blogs die in the first few months or so, and I've been able to keep it going since 2012. I expect to keep going it into into the future. But but I really, really do enjoy it. It's just a it's kind of like a diary. It's kind of like an outlet for creativity and it's an interaction with others. You know, most of my jobs that I do here around the house, I'm by myself or have my kids or my wife helping out a little bit. But I, I don't have a lot of family here to interact with in Arizona. I've got this this extended family all over the country. And then I've got these these new friends and, and people I know like yourself, Doug, you know, that we interact across our websites. I read yours, you read mine. We drop a comment back and forth, uh, shoot an email or a, a Facebook like or a Twitter thing or whatever, you know. So it, it's really kind of been fun. It really has. So I've it's it's been eye opening experience for me. I've gotten to work with 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 manufacturers of products. They'll send me something to try out, see what I think. They're they're curious about what 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 people in my position uh, think about and share with the readers and interact and things like that. It's really just been a, a wonderful ride. I, I really enjoy it. I'm trying to remember when I first came across your website, it was probably, oh, it must be a couple of years ago now. The the reason I kept coming back to it was, uh, it wasn't so much the projects, but the way you wrote, wrote about them, the uh, the humor, the self-deprecation. Oh, <laughs> oh thanks. Well, I think that's, I think that's my niche, right? I, I, I try to be more human. I'm not an expert at any of this. And I, I don't, I actually don't really enjoy reading personally blogs that come across as experts. 
because experts are the pros. They're the real experts, and most of the pros don't write blogs. They, they're out doing their jobs. Um, so I, I enjoy the human side of things. That's what attracts me to other bloggers. So I don't hide the, the stupid stuff I do or the failures or, or anything that goes wrong, right? I, I celebrate the successes, and maybe sometimes there are things that I know and I do well, I try not to come across as braggy or overly knowledgeable or anything uh, because I'm, I'm never, ever an expert, um, even on the electrical side of things. That was a little while ago, um, and I never did work as a residential electrician. I did a service call or two, but I was in the commercial construction world, and I, I would never call myself an expert of that either. Um, I got my journeyman's credentials and whatnot, but I, th there's just there's just so much more and, and it was a long time ago. So I, I, I go in there as a human being because human beings are reading this and, uh, and I, I enjoy humor, right? I'm not, I'm not writing a slapstick blog, but if, if I can just let my personality come through and, and, and people enjoy that, then great. If not, I'm still going to write it my way, right? I'm going to, I'm going to just enjoy being a part of this, uh, blogging thing as 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 john at az diy because i have all the choices i don't have answer to a board of directors i don't have to uh, sell a product or anything like that as far as the internet goes i can come or go and uh and it's working it is working people seem to check in and and read and and uh they seem to enjoy it i don't get a lot of hate mail i don't think i ever have gotten hate mail you know please don't start sending me hate mail, but uh, you know, <laughs> you know, I, it's me. Uh, I try to come through that way. I enjoy writing. Maybe that's my creative outlet uh, outlet. Now, instead of actual creation of art itself, it's, it's writing and I'm kind of growing in my writing. I've gone back and read some of my early stuff and I find, okay, I could really say that another way. I'd like to have done that a little different, but I'm not changing it. It's still who I was, it's still who I am. Um, I'm not a professional writer by any means. And I, I, every time I go back and read a post, I find it full of errors and typos and, and sentence, sentence structure problems and things that don't make sense. But it works. It works. People, uh, people seem to enjoy it. Right? Well, I got to tell you, one of the first posts that I read, I, I, I'm not sure what you were doing. You were up in your attic. And every other sentence was, it was hot. <laughs> yeah, it's hot up here. It's, it's hot, hot up here. Right. I mean, I think we've all been in that situation, you know, where we're in our attic or trying to fish wires or trying to do something and the insulation is sticking to you and it's, it's just horrible. And I think every homeowner can relate to that in some way. Right. Yeah. If you're into these projects, right, you go to, um, you go to a more professional how-to site. They're going to tell you to climb up in the attic and drill a hole here and you should fish it down. And all that. They're not going to experience it the way that you're going to experience it. Right. You know, and then that was it. I was in the summer, in the summertime, in my attic in Phoenix, Arizona. Right. It was absolutely miserable. And I'm not only doing the work up there, but I've got a camera up there and I'm trying to take pictures to share it for readers and keep insulation off the camera lens and keep my just fountain of sweat gushing off of me uh off the camera and 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 at the same time not slip uh, off a 
off a piece of framing and punch my foot through the drywall uh, ceiling and uh, not drop a tool never to be found again down some cavity in the in the wall all the while miserable at how hot it is and that's the reality you know what's going through your head god it's hot up here oh my god i'm just so hot i gotta get down you know because downstairs it's nice and cool in the garage it's only like 110 down there you know <laughs> so up here it's 2000 degrees so the outside temperature would have been about what that day oh hard to say if it was you know it was probably if i'm thinking of the right time or the right project if it was summertime and it was in the afternoon time it, it could have easily been in the in the 110 you know 115 or something like that that's that's when it gets pretty hot around here you know that's even though we get acclimated to our summers as a, as people who live in Arizona you know for me when it goes over 106 to the 110s and beyond it's pretty miserably hot uh, and I and honestly I had really no business being up in the attic at that time that's just too hot I mean you got to worry about hydration and heat stroke and things like that. So I wouldn't have wanted to have been up there for any couple hours or anything like that. It, it, it would be legitimately dangerous. But you're up in your attic. You're, yeah. You got insulation sticking to you. You're, you're trying to do work and you're trying to get the best camera angles so you can get the picture on your blog. <laughs> right, right. That's dedication. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, 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 you know, if you look at the post, they're not the best pictures. I believe that was either before I had a decent camera or I chose not to take it up there. You know, those are probably cell phone shots up in the attic. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to set up a tripod and take a couple test shots and make sure that I'm in frame. I'm just snapping a picture of where my hands are and getting the heck out of there. But yeah, it's part of it. I'm not going to go through all that and not have any material to write a blog post about. That's for sure. That's how the story itself on the blog plays out. You may or may not get a picture of a particular step or, or situation, you know, or, uh, or I'll get going. I'll just get cranking along and, and making good headway on my work and I'll forget, you know, I've, I've gone hours sometimes and go, shoot, why didn't I take a picture or something funny will happen and I might write about it or I might not. You know, and you miss it. I missed one the other day. I I had the camera trigger in my hand and everything. And uh, I'm using a sawzall on the outside of the house, a reciprocating saw to cut some of the exterior sheathing. And instead of letting the saw stop, when I finished my cut, I just kind of pulled it out. It was still running. My hand was still on the trigger. And so as I pull it out of the house, the blade's going back and forth. It hits the side of the house and launches me backwards. So I'm standing on just a little step ladder, right? Just two steps up on a step ladder. And the thing throws me back just a little bit, but my heels are off the edge of the, the step. So I'm standing there in midair, just pinwheeling my arms, trying not to fall off this little stupid step ladder with a reciprocating saw in one hand and my camera trigger in the other. Never thought to hit the button, right? That would have been the stupidest, funniest looking picture all by myself in the backyard, trying not to fall off the stepladder with an empty swimming pool behind me. So I would have, you know, I'm glad I didn't fall because I would have hit the deck and fell another three feet into the bottom of the pool and probably hurt myself. But man, I'm killing myself that I just didn't get that picture, you know, where I'm just clawing at the, at the air, trying not to fall 
two or three feet off this this uh, little ladder, you know. So you don't always get it. You know, it's a bad picture and a missed opportunity, but there's been several of those. I, I presume this was when you were cutting the hole in the wall? Or... Yeah, yeah, I was I was cutting a hole in the exterior because I'm putting a window in. So I'm adding I'm adding a window to my daughter's closet, actually, because she doesn't have a window in her room. So I'm putting a, a second means of exit in her room so so it'll be legal uh and so we'll get a little more natural light and and whatnot in the in there so punching through from a blank space and putting a brand new window in i've never done it before but so far knock on wood i haven't killed myself and it seems to be going well came close yeah i came close to killing myself. <laughs> i think if i would have tumbled all the way down into the pool that could have been that could have been it <laughs> Yeah, because you mentioned the pool was empty too. That's another yeah. that's another project that you have in uh in progress right now. It is, it is. But that one I'm not doing myself. That's where I kind of draw the line. I feel really good about fairly major jobs, but I'm not gonna step into something like remodeling a pool. I've got no clue. Right. I, I've I've never poured concrete professionally at any good good scale. If I was gonna pour a little little patio I'd, I'd, I'd attack it. I've never done it, but I'd attack it. I have no problem with that. But a pool deck, no way. And 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 chipping out the interior of the pool's got to be done. That's so old, awful. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm hiring that out. So rather than putting the money towards the planned kitchen remodel that we had hoped to do this year, we're gonna put it into a a complete swimming pool retrofit. It's kind of a requirement here in Arizona to have a swimming pool, right? And we're already in June. We don't have it. And uh, it's been dying on us for years. We've been unable to keep it under control, algae attacks and things like that. It's just time. So we've, we've, hired, uh, we've hired a company. Uh, I'll probably be writing about that story coming up too, because that was an experience negotiating not only financially, but the, the, the little lines in the contract, the, the stuff that they want you to sign that, you know, if you wrap your head around it, you you don't want to sign all that stuff just the way it comes to you. And, and so that's, that's been an experience, but the good news is even though it's ridiculously expensive to go through these things, they're going to get it done pretty darn quick. Um, we're, we remove, like, for instance, we remove the, uh, we're going to remove the entire deck of the pool, right? The whole walking surface. I got a, several different ways we can go from several different contractors. There's a there's a some kind of stone on top of our original pool deck. Some of the ideas were that we get that pulled off and chisel it off and grind it smooth and whatnot. And the price we had from all these different contractors, roughly, was about two thousand dollars to take that off. So I did a little experiment. I chipped it off myself in a little area. It took me five hours maybe a little bit more than five hours to just do a little four foot by three foot section. It was brutal backbreaking work and summertime was already starting. You know, this was back in May. It's already basically summer around here. And uh, if I was doing that, I, I'm sure I'd get faster, but I'd still be doing it six months from now. I'd be working on that in August and I still wouldn't have had a pool all summer. So they, they come in and get done. Absolutely done while I'm working on other projects and it'll be done right. Hopefully. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to work it. I'm going to watch it. I'm all over him. 
because um, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of hiring contractors all the time. But uh, when it's their expertise, I'm going to let them at it. So, yeah, these guys that came by yesterday, in fact, was their second day. They demolished the entire deck. They took the top off and they took all the concrete out in less than two days. They sent six guys, two jackhammers, two wheelbarrows, a bunch of pickaxes and junk. And they, they did it. It's done. You know, it, I, there, I couldn't chisel it out. I could, I could rent a, a large electric jackhammer and probably knock it out in a week or two and, and haul it where, I don't know. You know, so these guys came in in two days. Right now I've got a pile of rubble out in the street in front of my house, but there's a truck supposed to come and get rid of it. That's worth it to me. That's that's a done deal. No brainer. I'm not out in June. These guys are working at four o'clock, wearing long sleeve shirts, pounding this stuff out. I was blown away. And you were hitting record temperatures or yeah, close to they record were here that 117 degree day. Holy smokes. Incredible. Yeah, so if people go to your blog, they can they can read about the whole process with the pool because you've uh, you've talked about that quite a bit. Yes. And the current project that you have going on with the hole in the wall, um, I, I I want to back up for just a second here because you were yeah. saying about making uh, making your daughter's room legal. Right. How right. was how was there not the second means of egress before you? Uh... Oh well, they um, someone before us, uh, and I call them my DIY predecessors on the blog, right? Because I I'm finding all this stuff that other people have done prior owners or their drunken friends have, have done that, that isn't quite up to, to par. And, and one of them is, is an addition that was put on the house at some point. So sometime between 1989 and the time that, or I'm sorry, 1979 and the time that we bought it, um, there was this addition put on probably two additions. We're thinking the original back porch got filled in, and then they built another porch, and then they filled that thing. So it's our family room, our office, and kind of a weird little, not quite hallway, but little space, kind of like a hallway. Well, that blocked off the back of the house and the side, part of the side of the house. They, they filled in the missing chunk of an L shape, and part of that was my daughter's room. So in her room, I can actually see where, in a, window, where a window once was. Just by looking at an angle on the wall, you can see the drywall repair right, right. Um, that the where a window once was. So when they filled that in, they essentially put her room in the middle of the house. Um, so there, there's no windows. Uh, so the only way to give a, you know, you know, we didn't even think about it when we bought the house. There's a skylight in the room, right? So there is natural light. But it's not a legal bedroom because it doesn't have a, a second means of, of egress. And, and and it's not just a legal issue. It's like, well, what if there's a fire? I mean, let's think about it for safety's sake. What if there's a fire? We want, we want another way out of that room just to be safe. And so luckily the closet back wall, the closet is on an exterior wall. And uh, it's it's a walk-in closet. It's, it's not huge. It's... Um, kind of got a one-sided hanging situation going on there so it's it's probably about six feet deep and four feet wide so we're gonna we're gonna put this window in the back and let let her have that second means and, and a little more act, uh, natural light 
other than the skylight, which is which is decent, but there's no way out, right? You're not going to have a 12-foot ladder leaning against the wall every time she's in her room. So that's the idea. That's the idea behind it. So that's going to lead to not only the installation of a window, but an entire closet remodel, if that's such a thing. We're, we're, we're kind of going through the same thing here with uh, as far as egress windows, because... We, we, we have a previous owner as well who built an addition on the house who um, probably should not have. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the addition is going to come down and we're going to rebuild. And when we rebuild, we're going to have two bedrooms in the basement or two rooms in the basement. This is, this is where it all gets tricky because I'm trying to research this stuff. I'm trying to learn this stuff for myself. And the Canadian uh, building code, the Ontario, well, the Ontario building code, which affects us, you don't have to have an egress window or second means of egress for each room. You just have to have a second means of egress for each level that a bedroom is on. Oh. Which is kind of nice. But, you know, I like the American code a little bit better. You know, like you said, if there's a fire, you know, who cares what the code is? I want a second way out of there. It doesn't matter what yeah. the code is. And this is your daughter's room. Yeah. Your, your daughter's been making more and more appearances on the blog lately. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's very interested in what I'm doing, especially the fact that it's her room, but she's, she's really into working with tools and smack and stuff with hammers. She's, she's, um, she's really kind of come alongside my, my son's not been that interested in it. Um, he does come out and help sometimes and ask a lot of questions and whatnot, but my daughter, boy, you can't you can't get her out from under your feet half the time. When it's hot outside, she's not necessarily going to be outside, but but she's been underfoot on this one quite a bit, quite a bit. In fact, there was um, there was a time the other day where I was working outside and I can hear her yelling through the wall at me. She was in her closet while I was on the outside, and she had found where I'd ripped some boards out and they it pulled the nails out from from behind, so there were little holes. So I was down on my hands and knees soldering pipe and all of a sudden a little pencil comes sticking out through the wall, you know, just wiggling <laughs> around and pulls it out. And then I could see a little finger stick out and then her eyeballs back there and calling to me and joking around and laughing and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's been fun. I mean, you just gotta, I, I just gotta be careful, of course, you know, not knowing where she's at at any given moment or, you know, if I'm shooting the framing into that area, I don't want to have her in her closet while I'm shooting a nail gun and there's basically whatever that is five eighths drywall in between me and and her and a and a big nailer right so anyway I, it just you just have to change your tactics when you got kids under feet like that and give her a pair of safety glasses when she's in the area but but yeah she enjoys it it's it's great to have her all, all around and I've I've given her a couple dollars every now and again to be nail patrol you know she'll clean up nails for me or something like that and then i have to give her a little allowance for it or something so it's fun i really enjoy having kids around oh that's awesome because a couple of weeks ago i was trying to uh get my daughter trying to pry her my, my how old is your daughter she's seven seven mine is uh mine just turned 13 a little while ago and i'm trying to pry her away from minecraft Right, <laughs> because I I want I want her to be interested in this stuff too. And we had a couple loose porch boards, you know. I just had to drive a couple screws, and I thought this is a perfect time, you know, get her to use the uh, use the drill, drive a couple screws, and it was a struggle to get her away from Minecraft. <laughs> and 
when she's doing it, she's why do I have to do this? You know? Right. Right. And <laughs> I, I tried to tell her because I don't want to have to do it for you when you buy your house. You should you know, I, all I, these I, other blog sites. There's some fantastic sites written by women, you know, young single women. Um, just they're power tool badasses, you know, they're doing great work by themselves just like you and I are doing, but um, female and, and it's not a, not a male dominated world anymore. As far as this stuff goes. In fact, I would say there's way more female bloggers out there than there are male and in our little genre or niche, plenty of them, you know, I, I think they're inspirational. I've, I've shown, shown my daughter some of their stuff. It's not just a, not just a guy thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is it? Ugly Duckling House is one. Pretty Handy Girl is another one. Yeah, There's yeah. A... I read both of those. Um, yeah, same here. Uh, what's it? Uh, DIY Diva is another one. There, there's quite a few of them out there that I that I enjoy reading, written by females. Absolutely. And if they got they've got that personal human being humor like I enjoy, awesome. I keep reading. I wonder if it's it's the case that there's more of them doing it now, or if it's just a matter of women are more likely to write about it than guys are. Yeah. The, well, I, I think there's more of them doing it overall, just because it's, for one thing, it's just a lot more accessible these days. The, the whole do-it-yourself movement is just so incredibly approachable with internet, with the 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 amount of blogs that are out there, the amount of YouTube channels that are out there, the 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 whole fact that there's television networks devoted to this stuff and then your ability to just jump in your car for many of us and be at a home depot or a lowe's or an ace hardware or wherever your big box fix it up store is and this stuff is just so approachable it's you don't have to just only learn from your dad if this was his thing or buy a book or or go into the trades like you used to have to do to to, to be able to, to do this home maintenance and repair stuff. It's, uh, it's so accessible. So John, if there was one piece of advice that you could give a new homeowner, someone, someone who's new to DIY, what, what would that advice be? Oh boy. Um, well, I, I think what I would say is kind of cliche. It's kind of my overall theme, but you can eat an elephant one bite at a time. And that's kind of been my experience and my approach is that you start small in scope. You start small with the type of tools, the variety of tools you have, the type of materials and the quantity of materials and how large of your project. You just start small. And then over the weeks and months and years, you can grow your experience. You can grow your tools, abilities, financially, you can work into these things over time. Going back to one of my, my, my first tool, right? I still have that tool. So every time I want to go and use a jigsaw, I'm using this jigsaw I bought 15 years ago. So you will just grow. You don't have to start out doing a HGTV complete kitchen remodel for your first project. You know, you will get there over time. You will have fantastic successes. You will have miserable failures, hopefully not 
catastrophic and you'll get there. And, and that's just, that's my core of my experience. That's my advice to you is just to get started. Try something small, paint, you know, change an outlet cover, do something little to start with and just keep on going. And I guess if I could throw a second one in there, is that all right? That's fine. Uh, uh, it, it is work safe, right? Um, I've worked in the trades. I've been horribly injured myself. I've seen other people get injured. I've gotten injured working on my own house. And I'm talking cuts and nicks or smash thumb or a little bit of junk in your eye, whatever. You, just because they don't always do it on television or you see YouTube videos where they're not wearing their safety glasses, not wearing their hearing protection, gloves, work boots, whatever. It doesn't make you a geek or a dork to put that stuff on. Look at, look at my blog. I'm not the most photogenic guy in the universe, of course, and it probably doesn't help that I'm normally wearing hearing protection when I'm using a, a table saw or a circular saw. I'm almost always wearing safety glasses, even though I wear regular glasses glasses. They're not safety glasses, right? It, I got to go to work and earn money for my family during the week. And during the week, I'm sitting in an office and I need two eyes to look at a computer. And if I shoot a nail into one of my eyes, I'm done. I'm not, you know, I'm off work. So that would be my second one. Maybe it ties into the first one, but there's no shame in working safe. And, and I would, I would encourage anybody who gets into this, this whole DIY thing to, to just grasp hold of that with both hands. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's not a geek thing. There's nothing macho about taking your, uh, uh, your table saw safety anti-kickback thing off. It's just silly. They do it on TV. They're professionals. They're doing it for the cameras. They're not doing it uh, because it, it's, it's, uh, it's stupid. I think you want it. I want, I think you want to work safe. And, and that, that would, that would probably be even a greater piece of advice to anybody uh, from me. But that's it. Perfect advice. Yeah. Well, I know um, New Yankee workshop, Norm Abram. Yeah. You know, they always have that little disclaimer that the guards and whatnot have been removed for the cameras. Right. Well, right. we, when we're working on projects, we don't have cameras rolling. So we don't have that excuse. Right on. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's silly uh, not to. Um, you go by a construction site here in Phoenix, Arizona, where it's a hundred and something degrees out there. Those workers are wearing long pants, work boots, usually a reflective vest, they're wearing gloves, they're wearing safety glasses, they're wearing a hard hat. You know, I'm not saying you have to go quite that far at your house. I'm wearing shorts. That's all there is to it. But, uh, you know, if the pros are doing it, and those are the pros, right, they do it every single day. There's no point in you not wearing some of that stuff around your own house and uh ended up in the emergency room it's just silly it's so preventable it's cheap a pair of gloves is cheap a pair of safety glasses is cheap no big deal get a pair of the nice earmuff things or maybe those little foam deals you stick in your ears and save your hearing you know you're going to thank yourself when you're pushing into later age absolutely so with that i, I want to thank you very much for joining me where can people find you online well i'm uh, my website is, is AZ DIY guy, uh, which is www.azdiyguy.com. 
the full full name of it is AZ DIY Guys Projects. That's the the blog site, and on it you'll find links to all the social media channels. Of course, I am fairly active on Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest, and um, still there on Google Plus, Home Talk. All the links are there where you can follow however you want. Sometimes I put little things on on different social media channels here and there. I've just started using uh, Instagram, just playing around with it. I like photography as well, so you'll see a little bit of stuff here and there. But but drop on by the website. I love to get comments on any of those channels. I like to get comments on the website. I get back with people. I love to love to interact. I give advice for what I can. Uh, I'm no no expert, but but check it out and 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 join the conversation. Excellent. And uh, hey, thanks for having me. It's really been fun. I I could I could talk forever about DIY and and um, and home improvement, home repair, and, and tools, and and family, and all that. I love it. Uh, I really had a great time, Doug. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining me. You bet. I, I appreciate bet. it. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat with John from azdiyguy.com. That is going to wrap things up for this episode of the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. Go to the show notes page at thumbandhammer.com slash five for more information and for the links to the blog posts and the other websites that we talked about. Leave a comment. Sign up for my email list. Subscribe. Leave a rating and review in iTunes. You know the drill. So until next time, remember that you can eat an elephant one bite at a time. Cheers.